What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Monday, September 21st. Week two of the NFL season just about finished up. Still got Monday Night Football between the New Orleans Saints and the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, brutal, brutal week in the NFL. Um, this is, you know, essentially like what you see when uh, when we get right in the second or third week of preseason. And all those guys that have, you know, you still got some fresh legs out there. You're maybe not as conditioned as you want to be. The injuries, man, they just, they piled up. They piled up pretty hard. A lot of teams just saw their seasons. I mean, you, you hate to say it after week two, but you saw a lot of teams' um, aspirations for the year just kind of poof, go up in thin air. Um, we'll talk about each team specifically that had experienced that when we go through. Today, we're just going to go down through each game uh, from Sunday. Talk, you know, some big storylines that came out, um, and then we'll move on, you know, into the to the rest of the week. Wednesday, we'll get some deeper breakdowns, player-specific breakdowns, team-specific breakdowns. Um, so, gonna really enjoy going through all that. Friday, we'll be back. Um, you know, I know, I know, Teddy, you know, teased it on last Friday's episode. I, I think he's coming back. We're, we're pretty sure he's coming back. Um, we had a really successful week uh, in terms of bets. Um, you know, albeit there's still a game tonight that could, uh, you know, ruin, I mean, and not necessarily ruin because it's still a great week, but, uh, I think Sunday I went 13 and one, uh, with picks against the spread. Uh, the only loss being the chiefs didn't cover minus nine. I'll go into that game, um, as well, a little bit on talk about our boy, Justin Herbert. Um, you know, not my top overall rated quarterback in the, in the 2020 draft. I gave Burrow the edge, but I always said about Justin Herbert, he had the highest ceiling of this draft class. He was my number two ahead of a guy like Tua, ahead of Jordan Love. Big Herbert guy, a big Justin Herbert fan. Uh, so we'll talk about him, uh, talk about that game. But yeah, we'll just go, we'll go one by one, talk about some things, uh, move on till Wednesday. We'll get some deeper analysis into players and teams, and then Friday be back with bets for uh, week three. Um, so... Taking a look, let's just start off. Uh, let, let's get this one out of the way real quick. Uh, we'll talk about my Indianapolis Colts first, um, who, despite you know a depleted roster after being embarrassed by Jacksonville, really, um, you know the Colts came into that one. I think touchdown favorites over Jacksonville. Uh, they ended up blowing that game uh, to Gardner Minshew, who just torched their defense. And you say, okay, well if Gardner Minshew and DJ Chark and Keelan Cole can do that to the Colts secondary. How about we, we throw out Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Kyle Rudolph. They're, they're going to have a field day, especially when, you know, 30 minutes before kickoff, it's announced that um, the Colts' number one corner, Rocky Yassine, was going to be out with an illness. He had a stomach bug. He was at the hospital getting evaluated. So then you're just like, okay, this is, this is going to be a rough go for the Colts. They come out um, and just flat out dominate the Vikings. 28-11, the final score. Um Minnesota had a gap. They scored a field goal in the first quarter. Didn't score again until the end of the fourth quarter. Colts just flat out dominated. You take a look at the box score. Really efficient game from Phillip Rivers. He did take. He did have one interception um, and was sacked twice, but 19 of 25, 214 yards and a touchdown. Big story, of course, on the ground was Jonathan Taylor. All expected a, a huge game out of him in his uh, starting debut after Marlon Mack went down with an Achilles injury. In week one, 26 carries for 101 yards, one touchdown. Um, through the air didn't do a whole lot, two catches for nine yards. The big stories through the air was, you know, Mo Alley Cox 
Jack Doyle was out, and so Mo Ali Cox, the uh, former VCU basketball star, had a field day out there, five catches for 111 yards. Um, five catches on six targets, too. So, you know, a big uh, big emphasis for Mo Ali Cox. Michael Pittman really wasn't a whole, you know, it wasn't really a massive day through the air. It was a dominating game where you could just run out the clock. Jordan Wilkins also got nine carries for 40 yards. Brutal game, though, if you just want to talk about injuries for the Colts, too. I mean, you know, the, it looks like they're losing Malik Hooker for the rest of the season with an Achilles injury, um, which, you know, for, for Colts fans, it's been an up-and-down road with Malik Hooker. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option, so it, it seems to be like his time with Indianapolis is done unless the market is so quiet out there for him that they just bring him in on a really small deal. The exciting thing, though, we get to see a lot of Julian Blackman, uh, the draft pick out of uh, Utah, this past year, he was a little bit injured coming into the season. Missed all of last year, I believe, with a with a significant injury in college, um, and then came back. Had a really good game, um, you know, uh, in place of of Malik Hooker. So exciting to see for him. Um, some other injuries, you know, you lose a guy like Paris Campbell, who had such a great first week, um, and, and I was expecting to have a, a huge role in the offense this season. I think everybody was. Um, not a torn ACL, fortunately, so we just have to wait out and see what the full extent of the MRI says, but you lose Paris Campbell. Um, I, I'm spending too much time talking about this game, really. It was a very boring game if you were watching it. It was just a lot of the Colts just long drives, converting their field goals, you know, being smart in the red zone. And then on the flip side, if we want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the Vikings, just a, a horrible game. For Kirk Cousins, 11 of 26. Most of those completions coming in the fourth quarter as well, too. 113 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, three sacks, and a QBR of 9.3. Um, Dalvin Cook, you know, 14 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown. That was just about all that he could do. Um, especially when you get down that long, you got to start passing a little bit more. But also, they just they didn't have, you know, the ability to sustain long drive. They didn't win the time of possession battle. So, pretty easy game for the Colts. Uh, this is a much better sign for Colts fans in terms of you know the outlook for the AFC South. When protecting a lead, they look better equipped than most teams in the league to do that with the run game that they have established. Um, and it's it's that's the story for the Colts this year. If you can enter the second half up, if you can enter the fourth quarter with a lead, and you don't need Philip Rivers to be you know coming from behind because he will force that and he'll get a little dicey with turnovers um, if he's trailing then this can be a very good Colts team. Um, and despite all the injuries, they looked really good against a, a Mike Zimmer defense that they did get torched by Green Bay. It wasn't a good showing, um, but you expect, you know, they're, they're not a bad defense. Sure, they're, they're not great, but they're bad. They're, they're not bad. Um, and then, yeah, just a, just a dominating game. Vikings, uh, surprising 0-2 start. They'll have to try and turn things around shortly. Uh, that's all I really want to talk about with that game, though. Not a whole lot else to discuss. Not a lot to discuss with this next one either. Uh, the New York Giants falling um, on the road to the Chicago Bears had, you know, came pretty close um, on a last-second comeback. Couldn't convert a touchdown as the as the uh, clock expired. Bears win that one, uh, 17 to 13, to move to 2 and 0. Is there a a less impressive 2 and 0 team out there than the Chicago Bears? I don't think so. They had one good quarter against the Detroit Lions to win that one. Um, and they almost blew a 17-0 lead to the New York Giants uh, without wide receivers, without an offensive line, without Saquon Barkley, and a really bad defense. Uh, look, Bears, enjoy being 2-0. It's going to catch up to you pretty soon when you actually have to start playing tough teams. 
Uh, just to take a look, you know, the Saquon Barkley injury, it's devastating. You know, it, it sucks. It's, it's, you know, one of the bright young stars in the league. Sure. You know, if, if anything, <clears throat> I don't know, the, the injury is significant. Of course, running backs always, you know, need to be careful with their knees. They need to protect themselves. I almost like the fact that we're going to get, you know, 14 games away of, you know, playing Saquon Barkley just for the fact that that offensive line is atrocious and then you're just getting more wear and tear on his body. The Giants are going to be one of the worst teams in football this year. There is no question about that. Um, so, you know, I, I'm more so on the side of like, look, it's a devastating injury. I trust Saquon to come back 110%. He's a hard worker. He's built for the league. He just needs a better situation. So if the Giants can be very bad, if they can revamp their offensive line, you know, if, if, if you're available to take that top left tackle out of Oregon and you can slide your first round pick this year to right tackle that immediately upgrades your offensive line, then you just got to find some, some big bodies in the middle, uh, fully in support of, of that, you know, kind of offseason outlook for the Giants. You need to have protection for Daniel Jones. You need to have uh, good run blocking for Saquon Barkley. And then this offense can finally start achieving the potential that it has. Um, you know, and, and, you know, just to flip it over to the Bears, I'm saying it's, it's not an impressive 2-0. You should not walk away if you're a Bears fan and feel good about this team. You know, Mitch, you know, 18 of 28 for 190 yards, still got sacked four times, still threw two interceptions. Uh, big David Montgomery game was very impressive, both on the ground and through the air, catching three passes for 45 yards and a touchdown, uh, all three of his targets. I, I, I just, I'm... The Bears will come crashing back down to reality once they start playing legitimate teams. Um, they played a team, you know, with a really bad roster and a coach that's probably on his way out in Detroit. And then you played maybe one of the worst rosters in all of football in the New York Giants. Uh, they're definitely up there when you consider teams like them and the uh, New York Jets, too. Sorry for the background noise. If we get, you know, small blurbs of this throughout the show, they're doing construction outside of my place still. Something that we'll just have to kind of deal with throughout the entire uh, season. Bears win that one, uh, almost blow it away, um, and, you know, not, not thoroughly impressed with a 2-0 start. Let's move on over to a team that did blow a very huge lead. Um, you know, remind me if this, you know, tell me if this sounds familiar. The Falcons blew a massive 29-10 lead in the second half uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, crazy sort of game that involves... Um, an unbelievable onside kick, uh, just a ton of fourth quarter scoring. Uh, the Cowboys put up 30 points in the second half. The Falcons only could muster 10 in the fourth quarter. Cowboys storm all the way back. It was an electric game. Um, huge game for Greg the Leg, onside kick, game-winning field goal. It's... it's it's devastating for the Falcons, you know. It just they they seem to be this haunted franchise, much like I think you know, you take a look at the Eagles and we'll get to their game eventually. Just like bad luck. That, that's such an unlucky loss to take. It's so rare that that happens. You know, a lot of that stuff, a lot of these collapses, you do have to start looking toward coaching, and I know Dan Quinn saved his job last year by rattling off a lot of wins in the second half of the season when teams were really counting them out and not really taking them seriously. They were able to stun a few divisional opponents, put up some good points. And look, the, the, the problem isn't the offense. It's not. The problem is the defense. And if you're Dan Quinn and you're a defensive head coach, 
that falls on you. And I know that they have a lot of injuries on defense. They lost a lot of guys in free agency. It's not a necessarily overly talented roster. But when you're the head coach and you're a de defensive head coach and your offense is leaps and bounds better than your defense, that's something that we have to evaluate. Um, I do think Dan Quinn is a good coach. I do think that that scheme, as we're seeing around the NFL, is a little outdated. And we need to stop you know, thinking that you know, what worked in 2012 defensively when you had the Legion of Boom is going to still work in 2020. But um, I I've kind of been banging that table for a while now. And this was another thing, you know, Dak was able to dice him in the second half. You take a look, 34-47 for 450, one touchdown through the air, three touchdowns on the ground. Uh, Zeke, 22 carries for 89 yards in the touchdown. Big games from CeeDee Lamb, six catches for 106 yards. Amari Cooper, six catches, 100 yards. Um, look, they didn't, they didn't quit. They didn't give up on that game. They moved to 500 which is what I expect them to be this year. I think the Cowboys win this division at 8-8. Eight and eight. I still believe that. Um, I think especially what we saw from around the rest of the division, that 8-8 eight and eight is definitely going to be enough to win the division. Um, I'll be surprised if, if another team in that division gets over six wins. I'll be very shocked. But, um, yeah, I'm worried, I'm worried about Dallas's injuries. Of course, they allowed, you know, 39 points on, uh, on, on defense. They don't have a lot of linebackers right now, and their secondary is worse than it was last year. But they're the best team in a really bad division, just like last year. Um, they were able to pull out this unbelievable win. You need luck sometimes when it comes into this. And uh, for the Falcons, the clock is... Uh, it was ticking last year for Dan Quinn, despite finishing the, the season strong. It's definitely, um, it, it, it's definitely looking a little bit uncomfortable there in Atlanta uh, through two weeks of the season. Moving on to the NFC battle in uh, Green Bay, where the Detroit Lions uh, took an early 14-3 lead over the Packers, were only able to score seven points the rest of the way. Meanwhile, Green Bay ended up lighting up the Lions' defense for 42 points. Um, really, you know, just a brilliant game offensively again. How about Aaron Jones? Great running back. Uh, still don't see why you needed to draft A.J. Dillon. I don't hate the pick. I just I keep looking back at this draft and getting pissed off why they didn't give him like a great wide receiver too. That's that's going to go down just frustrating me the entire season. But you take a look at Jones, 18 carries, 168 on the ground with two touchdowns, and then through the air he was the leading receiver with four catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown through the air. Um, hopefully the extent of, of Devonte Adams' injury isn't that serious because if you take a look through the rest of the way it was. You know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling with three catches, 64 yards. Lazard, three catches, 45 yards. Adams, before he got hurt, had three for 36. You need Devontae Adams out there, um, especially when the depth behind him is very unpolished. Um, and then Detroit, just like Atlanta. The seat is hot, Matt Patricia. I really wanted to believe in him as a as a guy that could go and, and, and make things work, but he doesn't seem like he brings necessarily the culture fit that that a lot of um it, it seems to be the case with a lot of these patriots disciples that fall out of new england they take jobs elsewhere i think the ego carries with them too much the success that they've built being great coordinators in new england they have this ego about them that when they take on a, a new job as the head coach they are they think they're wiser than everybody else you know you you're, you're not going to be the smartest man in the room you need to bounce ideas um, off, off of your, your coordinators and, and you need to keep adapting. You can't just force 
what worked in New England to work in Detroit, especially when you're not Bill Belichick. Um, and that's why I like guys like a Brian Flores. He doesn't seem to have the ego with him. He's just a very level-headed coach, a smart guy. He doesn't seem to think too much of him in himself. Meanwhile, Matt Patricia and, and a guy like Josh McDaniels, when he was a head coach, it was way too much me, me, me. I'm what's going to make this thing successful. Um, they have a lot of talent on the team. You know, Matt Stafford still can be a very good quarterback, 20-33, 244, two touchdowns, one pick, did get sacked four times. Um, yes, they are still missing their top receiving option. The backfield is just confusing. I don't think they're able to get any of these guys in a good rhythm. And then you have to consider also in this game specifically, they got down, you know, they, they took the early lead, but then it quickly vanished by halftime. And by the third quarter, they, they had just had to throw basically, you know, as much as possible. I think that you give the Lions a few more weeks. If they get a few more losses, I think Patricia will be out midway through the season, uh, much like Dan Quinn if they can't turn things around. And really, that's, that's, that's all my thoughts here on this game. Packers still look like a very good football team. They started a little slow, but uh, look, if, if you're only going to put up three points in the first quarter and you can finish the game with 42, you're a good team offensively. Uh, Aaron Rodgers looked very good again. 18-30, 240, two touchdowns, no interceptions, only took one sack. It's a very good team against a very bad team, um, and a bad team that is probably going to have another a coaching change in the next few weeks. Packers win this one pretty easily. On to the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars travel to Nashville, Tennessee, to take on the Titans. Um, both, at the time, were leading the division at 1-0. and uh, The Jags, it, it, was, it was back and forth, man. Um, it, it really was... Titans squeezed this one out 33-30. to Jacksonville was storming back late. They outscored, they outscored the Titans 20-9 in the second half. Just came a little bit short. Um, and, and then Agostowski, 49-yard field goal with a minute 30 left. Um, sealed the deal for that one. There was also, I, I think he did miss an extra point in there as well too. So it was a good thing to, uh, for his head to, to get that game-winning field goal down. Especially, you know, a deep one like 49 yards. Uh, just taking a look at the box score, I, I think I think we, we're at a point now where we have to think a lot more out of the Jacksonville offense, and I think a lot of that is in part to Jay Gruden. Um, and, and this goes back to what I say all the time, where I love when coordinators, or I love when head coaches, you know, get, you know, I don't love when head coaches get fired, but I love when, you know, coaches do end up unfortunately getting fired, that they head back to their roots at what made them extremely great and they flourish in that role. You know, kind of like Todd Bowles and how he was able to really turn things around for the Tampa Bay defense last year. Jay Gruden has made this offense look extremely well in Jacksonville. Um, and and he's been, he's good at that. You know, that's where he, you know, that's how you get those opportunities to be a head coach. And uh, back as an offensive coordinator, you know, getting, you know, 102 yards out of a guy like James Robinson, that's huge, especially when the offensive line isn't perfect. Garner Minshew has looked so good these first two weeks. Um, you know, did throw two interceptions, but one of those, I believe, was a tipped pass interception. Um, I, I can't remember necessarily the second one. But 30 of 45 for 339 and three touchdowns. He was doing everything he could. He was making great throws. Uh, that touchdown pass to, uh, let's see, it was Chris Thompson. Uh, was just on the money. He had some real pinpoint throws against a good Titan secondary. Um, just, you know, it, it's, it's one of those games where I, I walk away and sure, uh, these teams will always play each other tight. So I'm not going to say that I feel bad. Uh, you know, I feel less confident in the Titans, you know, being a winning team this year, but I was really impressed with, with the Jaguars. And I think you take a look around the league, 
uh, they're in, everybody said, you know, they're in tank for Trevor mode. I don't think this is a team that's going to end up with the first overall pick. I really think we're going to be in a situation where the Giants and Jets are at the top. There could be a situation where Jaguars are three. They could be four if a team, you know, if I'm just thinking off the top of my head. You know, if anyone in the, if, you know, the, the Washington football team is really bad again, or let's see, if Detroit just completely falls apart after they fire Patricia and they just decide, okay, we're just going to lose this one out, call it a year. I don't think the Jaguars are in a position where they're, I, I think the offense is going to be too good where they win these these sneaky games and they aren't able to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Um, I really do think at the end of the day, Lawrence, and, I, and I'm saving a segment for this on Wednesday, I do think there's a good chance he ends up in, in New York somewhere. So, um the Jaguars are going to be one of those teams that just hang around really good defenses. They're going to keep pace with a balanced offense. Young, exciting receivers like Chark and, and Keelan Cole. Um, and for the Titans, I, I, I got to say, with the Titans, I was expecting a massive drop-off from Ryan Tannehill. And through two weeks, he has looked very good. First against a tough Broncos defense. Uh, this Jaguars one isn't as good as the Broncos, but still got some good players on there. And uh, Tannehill, 18-24, 239, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and only took one sack. And meanwhile, that was with Derrick Henry not having, you know, a ton of success on the ground. 25 carries for 84 yards. It's not an electric game from him. Um, Tannehill's, Tannehill's looking good. He really is. And I was expecting the Titans to kind of fall off a little bit because of Tannehill regressing back to the mean. Haven't seen that so far. Of course, they have played, you know, a, a banged-up Broncos defense. Good scheme, though. And the Jaguars. So... Remains to be seen. You gotta you gotta play some of the best defenses in the league and see how you fare against them. But good start for the Titans. They're two and zero, and and have looked really impressive on both sides of the ball. Moving on now, let's talk let's talk Bills Dolphins. Got to spend some time here. You know the Buffalo Bills. They they came out there. Um, it, it was a close game. Bills and Dolphins divisional matchup. It's gonna be tight. Uh, they win this one 31 to 28. Bills move to two and zero. Dolphins fall to zero and two. The big story from this game is Josh Allen. Josh Allen looked looked like one of the best quarterbacks on Sunday. Uh, you take a look at everybody's performances around the league. Ross obviously stands out. Lamar stands out. Cam Newton stands out. Josh Allen played a terrific game of football on Sunday. Um, you know, just to take a look exactly at the numbers, it was 24 of 35 for 417 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, only took one sack. Um, and then four rushes for 18 yards as well, too. Meanwhile, Stefan Diggs just went off. Eight catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown. Um, they were targeting him a, a bunch. You know, he got 13 targets, only didn't convert on five of those opportunities. You know, I, I tried to... Everybody told me... I heard so many things of like, okay, well, Stefan Diggs isn't going to solve anything for the Bills offense because Josh Allen still isn't accurate down the field. You watch that game yesterday, um, and even you know the NFL tweeted out just like short clips of some of his best throws of the day. He was on the money in terms of his deep accuracy. There were a ton of throws that it was just into the perfect window. The and for some reason people still don't want to give him credit. You know the the big talking point today is okay. Well, we got to recognize that it was against the Jets and the Dolphins, two very bad teams. And yes, I get that. But these guys, you know, Josh Allen plays these guys twice a year every season and through the first two games he's been significantly better than the first three years against those two teams so can we give him a little bit of credit sure we haven't seen him play great defenses yet but we see him play these teams all the time and it usually doesn't come out like this 
And, and and I know that the Miami secondary is a little banged up, and Xavier Howard looks lost compared to where he was a couple years ago. Safety depth isn't great. But the throws, it, it wasn't like they were just beating up on broken coverage. They recovered, and Josh Allen was just making plays into the right windows. So that's where I'm saying, like, hey, let's watch out for Josh Allen. He could be electric this year is because it, it, it's, it is bad secondaries, but they're contested throws that he's still finding the perfect window. He's still giving the receivers a room to run after the catch. He's not throwing them into these, you know, these tough situations where the receivers just have to drop after the catch. He's he's throwing them in stride. And uh and I thought he looked I thought he looked brilliant yesterday. I I totally agree. I am fine with saying we have to see him play some great defenses, but we have to acknowledge that yes, despite it being Miami and the Jets, He's still making contested throws. He's he's just he looks so much more polished than last year, and um, I'm excited to see where this team goes. I think they I think they win the division. Um, I think it's you know a ten and six that wins the division in the AFC East. I'm all on Buffalo this year, and the Dolphins. I know the roster isn't great, but Brian Flores still gets the most out of his players. They're a team like Jacksonville that is going to be extremely tricky for teams because they're very uh, sound defensively. They really know how to, to uh, get the most out of their players, especially in the front seven. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think we got to give the Bills credit. I, I know it's the Dolphins and the Jets. Let's just, let's just give them a little credit sometimes. Let's just say Josh Allen looked good. It's not that hard to do. Going on to the 49ers and the Jets. Uh, this is, this is where I say, you know, you, you, you take a look at the Jets. I saw someone uh, tweet out the other day, and I kind of agree with it. This kind of looks like one of the most empty rosters we've seen in the NFL over the last few years in terms of just names on there, uh, coaching, inability. I mean, you know, outside of, you know, guys that I like on this team, just to run it through, you know, I like Mekhi Becton. He's looked really impressive the first two weeks. I do want to root for Sam Darnold. Do I think that he's at the same level as some of those other quarterbacks in his draft class? No. You know, I, I take Josh Allen over him. I take some of these guys that have come out in recent classes over him. Still like him. Still think he's got ability. He's one of those guys that I think if you put a good team around him, could be a good quarterback. Um, I like Jamison Crowder. And then defensively, I'm trying to think if any names really stick out for me. There's just not a whole lot. They're a very bad team. And... We can, you know, admit that now, seeing how the 49ers, with practically no, no, you know, none of their key players actually playing, still beat them 31-13 to on the road, going from West Coast to East Coast at a 1 o'clock game. So their body is in, in 10 o'clock, you know, uh, you know, Western time. So, it's, it's just, it's, I don't want to talk much about this game, it's a really good team against a really bad team. The one thing that I want to focus more on is the outlook for the 49ers after all these injuries. Because uh, now you've got Nick Mullins at quarterback for, you know, maybe the next month. Your defensive line is just about shot with, you know, you, you trade away DeForest Bugner. You've got a rookie who's replacing him. Now you lose Solomon Thomas. You lose Nick Bosa. Um, you didn't have any of your, you know, top cornerbacks playing. You lose one of your talented uh you lose one of your talented running backs. You still don't have Debo Samuel. George Kittle is still out. Um, this is it's it's scary for the 49ers right now. You know I have faith in Kyle Shanahan. He's a very good head coach. Um, but if you just want to take a look at the 
at the schedule they have coming up. Hopefully they can maintain it through the next month. Okay, so I, I hadn't looked at the schedule before. They're in a very fortunate situation. They've got the Giants upcoming this week. We've all heard the rumors they do not want to play on the MetLife Stadium turf after what happened this past week. I don't blame them. Then they play the Eagles at home. Then they play the Dolphins at home. And then they've got the Rams uh, towards the end of October. That's when the schedule really picks up. So if you can get through three weeks like you did with the Jets, um, of course, you know, the defensive line, those, those injuries are going to be tough to replace. They're trying to bring in Ziggy Ansah now. And you're losing those guys for the entire year. They're not coming back. But offensively, if, if you can just get through the next three weeks, maybe go 2-1 and one against the Giants, Eagles, or Dolphins, very good chance they could go 3-1. and one. You're still in a great position um, to, to you know, get that offense back healthy. And then you know, you've got time for Debo to come back, George Kittle to come back, Garoppolo to come back. The, the, the season isn't over for the 49ers. It's going to be a lot tougher in their division, especially with how good the 49ers um, or sorry, with how good the Rams and the Seahawks have looked and the Cardinals. Um, so you really can't afford to lose a ton of these games against, you know, teams like the Giants, Eagles, and Dolphins. But it, it'd be so much worse if they're in a situation where they're next. I mean, you start at the with that Rams game and they go on a tear of, I mean, they go on a tear of, of seven games here against tough teams. They play the Rams, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints, the Rams, and the Bills. If you can get your offense healthy by then and you can hopefully squeak out some wins, then fine. You know, I feel pretty good about you. But, you know, you can't afford to lose to the Dolphins, Eagles, and Giants before that. Man, that is a brutal schedule because it's Rams at home. Then you travel to New England. You travel to Seattle. You host the Packers. You travel to the Saints. And then you travel to the Rams before hosting the Bills. That's a that is a brutal schedule. Um, really need to monitor the 49ers' health over the next three weeks. Hopefully that offense is back by the middle of October because if not, it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary. Um, brutal. You know this happens to teams all the time where you know you have high expectations and the roster falls apart. I'm not giving up yet. Uh, I do think maybe you would say that the division now is kind of you know, out of, out of hope, um, is out of reach, but you can, you know, you're still one of the better teams in the NFC and with an extra wildcard spot, I think you can still sneak in there. Talking about the NFC West, let's talk about the Rams. Uh, they took care of the Eagles pretty easily. Uh, 37 to 19 Rams now two and zero. Eagles fall to zero and two. Just taking a look at the board, Goff, very efficient, 20 for 27, 267, three touchdowns, no interceptions, only sacked once. Meanwhile, the running game, had a bunch of guys involved. It went well. Daryl Henderson this time led the way with 12 carries, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Malcolm Brown, 11 for 47. You do lose Cam Akers. Um, you were involving guys like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup on the run. Goff ran it seven times uh, for 13 yards. I, I said it at the beginning of this season for the Rams. It's like if, if their run game can get back to where it was, then Sean McVay is able to do what he wants to get out of this offense. It was it was too it was too worrisome having Todd Gurley there, paying him a lot of money because he wanted to get him involved. But McVay is a is a committee type guy, and uh, you're seeing that you know being able to bounce guys off like Henderson and Brown, get them off of each other, um, get get each other some good carries. This run game can be effective. It also just provides Jared Goff way more time in the pocket because if you have to consider for the run. Um, you know, and you get fooled on some play action plays. It, this offense just, it's so much better. And Jared Goff is so much better when they have a run game. So feeling really good about the Rams. 
Uh, the Eagles, I have never, I didn't feel good going into the season. I still don't feel good now. Uh, cool, Miles Sanders, 20 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown. Um, three catches for 36 yards through the air. I just, I, I can't feel good about this team. I don't know how you can. You know, Carson Wentz looks like a shell of himself. He really does. He does still have the ability to make some really great throws, but uh, the accuracy isn't on. Um, he's not getting touchdowns. He's throwing interceptions. A banged-up offensive line, banged-up receivers, a thin defense in the front seven. They upgraded in the secondary. Great. But now you've got problems in the front seven where Fletcher Cox doesn't look as great. The front seven as a whole doesn't look that great. You combine that with injuries, um, inconsistency on offense. I have been on the train that the Eagles were going to have a bad season. I think I projected 5-11. and 11. I feel pretty good about that. Um, maybe they could get to that 6-10 and 10 window, but I just think that this is... Uh, you got a lot to worry about still in Philadelphia, especially because you've already paid Carson Wentz. Um, and I'm not saying that you don't. I think he can be a very talented quarterback, but... Um, you know, we were two and a half years ago or three years ago from him being, you know, the MVP front runner before his injury, and it's just not looked the same since. And it's very upsetting because he had a lot of potential uh, coming out. Um, so, yeah, kind of another situation where I say it's a, a really good team that beat up on a really bad team. Not a whole lot else to continue there. On to Pittsburgh. Very close game here uh, between the Broncos and the Steelers. This is one of those games, too, where the injuries just, it's so unfortunate. You're losing Cortland Sutton for a while. Drew Locke is out for a while. Um, you already had, you know, injuries on the offensive line. You had a guy opt out at tackle. You lose Von Miller defensively. Um, you know, I said this about the Broncos, and I think I saw this. Um, I had this conversation on Twitter, too. They're in that window where if everything went right for them this year, if everybody took the step on offense that you thought they were going to take, if everybody stayed healthy, they had potential to be a nine-win team. Now, with everything that's been going on, without getting Locke out there and, and losing your top receiver and just things not going right, they're probably closer to that five to six win range. Um, but this isn't like a this isn't a panic. You know, if you if you're the Broncos and you finish with five wins, you were dealt a shitty card this year. You you were dealt some really bad injuries on offense. You lose your best player on defense. That shit happens. You get unlucky. This isn't a blow it up. This isn't Vic Fangio can't get his team to win games. This isn't bail on Drew Locke. You got the foundation finally, John Elway. It, it took a while after Peyton, um, and you, you failed a lot in looking for quarterbacks. Uh, Drew's the guy. It's just, you know, it's unfortunate um, that this is the way you start out the season with some devastating losses, and then the injuries pile up too. So, um, Sorry, Broncos. You know, that's a that's a swing of about four wins for me, what you guys have been through in the first two weeks. And, and you're probably looking more at like third or maybe even last place in that division now. So get a top pick, uh, you know, wherever you want to add it. You know, maybe if it's an offensive lineman or someone defensively, that's where I go. You got the right pieces in place. Just come back and hope for better luck in 2021. Uh, meanwhile, the Steelers, I'm still not thoroughly impressed with them. I'm really not. I mean, they won by five against the Broncos, who had Jeff Driscoll, and um, I, I don't know. It's just, it's so clear to me that the Ravens are the favorites in that division. I still picked the Steelers. I'm trying to think. I still think I had them as a 9-7 and seven team, but I, I know I said the, Lion, or the Bears are probably the least impressive 2-0 team. I'm not thoroughly impressed with the Steelers. I still think that they've got problems at receiver. 
Um, you know, you take a look at Juju. He had seven catches for 48 yards. Um, you know, they're you know the additions of Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are really nice and exciting for some depth. But I just don't think Juju is that number one guy. Um, they used Ebron a little bit more. The running game was was all James Conner today. It was 16 carries for 106 and a touchdown. And you take a look though through the numbers when you have one rush that's 59 yards. Then you've got 15 carries for closer into that into that 55 range. Far less impressive. Uh, so you got to take a look. Yes, James Conner, 106 yards. Great bounce back game. One of those is 60 yards. Uh, so that takes, you know, that, that average. You take that one run out, significantly different. So uh, I don't know. Steelers, I think they're going to be closer to that 500 team. They're really sound defensively. Good offensive line. I just don't think, I think they lack the explosiveness, um, and, and some of these teams that you're going to play, uh, you need that. You're going to play the Ravens twice, you need that. You're going to play the Browns, you need that. Um, so, I don't know. Bummer for the Broncos. Steelers, I'm, I'm still just, I'm, I'm being patient with. I need to see more explosive plays from the offense. Um, still can be a, a winning football team, just not really buying that much stock right now. Five games left. Uh, let's go to Tampa Bay, the Carolina Panthers. On the road, uh, trying to ruin Tom Brady's uh, home debut in Tampa. Um, doesn't work out. Buccaneers win this one by a couple of touchdowns. Wasn't a game I had a ton of attention on. Uh, you just take a look through here. Um, Brady, you know, 23 of 35 for 217, a touchdown and an interception. Didn't take a sack all game. Meanwhile, on the other side, you got Teddy thrown for 367, zero touchdowns, two picks, and was sacked five times. Um, I just got the notice that Christian McCaffrey is actually now out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Brutal. Um, I told you guys, this is actually the, the other team I should have mentioned earlier. I had the, uh, the Panthers with one of the worst records in football. I think that injury probably makes that even more possible now. Um, I've never been sold on Teddy Bridgewater as the guy for a franchise, um, especially after his injuries. And, uh, you know, I think this was more of like a, a getting a, just getting a starting quarterback available in Carolina. I think if they have the opportunity, they'll take a guy in the draft. Um, losing Christian McCaffrey is brutal for that team. Uh, it's just it's it's awful. Um, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson look like a really good one-two punch at receiver. I will say that both uh, combined for 17 catches and 229 yards. So um, they've got a really good duo going there with those two. Defensively, it's really bad. Offensive line is shaky and quarterback play I don't love. Losing McCaffrey basically means losing that offense. Uh, there's no, you know, you're not scared of anybody behind McCaffrey on the depth chart and you're really not intimidated by the passing game. So you can really just, you know, really put the pressure on Bridgewater to, to beat you and, and the Panthers will probably lose a lot of games because of that. Tampa Bay, they looked good. Mike Evans looked good. They're still missing, you know, some some key players there on offense. Uh, this time it was Chris Godwin who was out of the game. Mike Evans, seven catches, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Running game still concerns me, just like I was saying with uh, with James Conner and how, you know, you take a look and you say, oh, 106 yards, but you had the long carry for 60. Uh, Leonard Fournette had 103 yards, two touchdowns, but he also did have a long carry of 46 yards. So you take that away. He's closer to 11 carries for 60 yards. Still not a bad game at all. Um, I, I think Tampa's, I've said it all, they're not going to look like world beaters in the first, you know, four to five weeks of the season. Just wait till the end of the year. They'll get things going. They'll look like one of the best teams in football um, and, and make the playoffs. Just depends if they can beat out the Saints in that division or not. 
they might end up being, you know, they might just end up being stuck with a wild card spot. Go to uh, Carol or sorry, Carolina, Arizona. Uh, we'll, we'll not spend too much time on this one. Very good team against a very bad team. The Cardinals, they they destroyed it. Um, Washington tried coming back a little late, put up 12 points in the fourth quarter. Aside from that, it's a 30 to three game instead. Um, talk about Kyler Murray. Let's talk about Kyler Murray. 26 of 38, 268 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Only sacked three times after that Washington front got eight sacks last week on Carson Wentz. Kyler Murray, eight carries, 67 yards, and two touchdowns, including one 21-yard score on the ground. Meanwhile, DeAndre Hopkins, still great. Eight catches, 68 yards, one touchdown. Um, eight catches on nine targets, too, so a very efficient game from DeAndre Hopkins. Look, I don't love the uh, the Cardinals' defense. They have an extremely easy first half schedule. I've said this; uh, they're going to start the year six and one, maybe, maybe five and two. Um, Kyler's going to get a lot of MVP buzz. It just, you know, what happens when you have to start facing the Seahawks, the Rams, and the 49ers twice to finish out your season? Then, then we'll really see what Kyler Murray is made out of. Uh, meanwhile, Washington. Look, you'll take the wins that you can get. It's nice that you beat the Eagles. I didn't expect you to win the Cardinals. I thought the Cardinals would win pretty easily, which they did. Uh, Haskins, 19-33, 2-23, one touchdown, took four sacks. Couldn't really get anything going on the ground. I guess Gibson and McKissick combined for 108 yards, but that's on 21 carries. Um, longest rush of the day was 13 yards for McKissick, so not a lot of explosive plays. Terry McLaurin. Bounce back week after uh, just a, a very uneventful week one, seven catches for 125 yards and a touchdown. Um, I like the potential in Washington. I like Ron Rivera. It's very exciting. Still need an offensive line. Still need, you know, I, I still think you need help outside of um, Terry on the passing game. Look, you were probably expecting to have a way better rush game too before you lost a guy like, uh, oh God, what's his name? Out of LSU. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. All of you Washington fans probably yelling at me right now. Uh, we both, we all know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to spend my time wasting to search it up, but he obviously got kicked off the team for being a bad person. So you, you lose that. So that definitely has a, a huge impact on the balance of your offense. Puts more pressure on Haskins. I like what they're building. It's going to take some time. Need help in the secondary. Need help on the offensive line. Those things are fixable. And I, I'd expect if you spend... A week, a week and a half, or a week, a year or a year and a half, you know, building the draft and free agency. I think you you do have something here in Washington. You just, it needs time. Let's move on now to the uh, the last three games. This one was a brutal one in terms of, of my wallet. I almost had, I had some, I had a crazy day betting. Uh, this was my only loss against the spread. Um, and I had, I had some really good parlays out there where if the Chiefs just covered this, um, I would have had a lot more money in my pocket. Still, still a great week though. Gambling. We'll get into it on Friday's episode. Um, but man, the the Los Angeles Chargers. That defense looked great. Front seven looked great. They were feasting on the Chiefs' tackles. I am now officially a little concerned about the pass protection uh, for the Chiefs. It looks like Mitchell Schwartz, um, after being what I would consider one of the most underrated right tackles in all of football, he's been embarrassed two weeks in a row. Now he's had tough assignments. Yes, he's had J.J. Watt, and now he's had the combo of Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. So I'm not saying that it's completely over for him, but he was such a good right tackle uh, in the previous few seasons, and he has just looked really rough to start this year. Um, 
you know, it was one of those games you expect the Chiefs to pull it out at the end. Um, the big thing that I want to talk about is on the other side, talking about the Chargers offense. Our boy Justin Herbert, he's got it. I told you guys, I, I like this guy over Tua. He's close to Burrow with me. I think he's got the higher ceiling than Burrow. He's a smart kid. Really great throwing motion, big arm, accurate. Uh, was 22 of 33 for 311, one touchdown, one pick, only took two sacks. Also ran four times, 18 yards, and a touchdown. What's frustrating to me is that Anthony Lynn is still on the side of this is Tyrod Taylor's offense, and when he's ready to go, he's going to play. I, I don't get the point in doing that. You know that the future of the team is Justin Herbert. You didn't waste the sixth overall pick in this last draft for a guy that's not the future of your franchise. Herbert's the future. If you put him out there against the defending Super Bowl champions and he looks way better than your original starter did against the Cincinnati Bengals in week one, you go with Justin Herbert. Because now you're going to start getting into his head if you, if you put Tyrod in and then you bring Herbert back out and maybe Herbert has like two bad games against tough teams and then you put Tyrod back in, then you're just fucking with this guy's head. Feed off of this momentum that Herbert gave you. I know you lose in overtime. It's a devastating loss. You guys shouldn't have won that game at all. I think Tyrod is in, and you lose that game probably by the, the spread that was accounted for. Chiefs probably win by double digits. Justin Herbert looked terrific. Um, you know, he obviously has some rookie mistakes. You know, why he didn't run for that third down instead of, you know, launching a, a throw across his body that was picked off. You know, that's one bad, you know, miscue. You, you expect those rookie mistakes out of everybody. He had the first down. So it's one of those plays he's going to, you know... He's going to correct those. It's his first start, and he had a 30-minute maybe head, noted, head, head start that he was going to be the starter. He had no idea. He was like, oh, I'm going to sit, watch this game while Tyrod goes out there. And then, Wait, what a minute? What? Oh, my, my career starts today? You're going to throw me in there on 30 minutes notice? He looked great, especially given the, the circumstances around it. I really hope that Anthony Lynn rethinks what he said uh, on Sunday, and I, I hope they, they keep rolling with Justin because I just I don't get the point of going back on it now. Uh, close game. Feel, still feel really good about the Chiefs. Maybe a little worried about the tackle play. We'll have to monitor that. Um, you know, not every team is going to have Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, so, so we'll see you know, what it looks like elsewhere. Um, definitely would love to commit to the run a little bit more. Um, you know, Clyde didn't have his best game. Tyreek shows up when you need him to. Travis Kelsey is a reliable target always. Mahomes is one of the top quarterbacks in football. It's a really good team. Um, they, they squeaked out a close one. That's how you can tell that they're, they're a great team is they can squeak out those close wins. Two more left. Let's talk about the uh, Ravens and Texans. Really good game here. Um Good performance by the Ravens. You know they kind of just come out here and dominate the Texans. It's it's a tale, it's a tale of two um, very different franchises. Because if you told me that you can put Deshaun Watson on the Ravens with that offensive line, with the run support, with the tight end play, with talented receivers, and oh, the best defense in football, um, I say Deshaun Watson performs to the level of Lamar Jackson, if not maybe a little bit higher. I don't know. I love Deshaun Watson as a talent. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where you've got one quarterback in Lamar Jackson who has everything great around him, 
great ownership, great management, great coaching, great roster, great offensive line. And then you go to Houston and you've got Deshaun Watson, who may be a better quarterback, but has worse ownership, worse management, worse coaching, worse roster, worse offensive line, worse weapons, worse defense. And, and this is what you get. You get Deshaun Watson trying to make magic. Um, and, and to his part, he, he did his best. 25 of 36, 275, one touchdown, one pick. Was sacked four times. And, uh, yeah, that's really it. You know, David Johnson, ooh, 11 carries, 34 yards. Let's pump the brakes. He looked really good against the Chiefs. He did. But uh, if this team gets down, can't really use him that much. Brandon Cooks looked good. Five catches, 95 yards. Um, just hopefully can stay healthy. Will Fuller, where are you? He had one carry, zero yards. This is why I'm not high on the Texans. They just don't have anything around Deshaun Watson to support him. Nothing consistent around him. The coaching isn't consistent. The play calling isn't consistent. The offensive line isn't consistent. The defense isn't consistent. His wide receivers aren't consistent. None of them can stay healthy for a full season. And you traded away the one guy that could. It's 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 frustrating. You know, and yes, they're they're the Texans. They're in the division of the Colts. So, you know, obviously I don't want them to be great. But I'm sick and tired of seeing franchises ruin ruin the careers of quarterbacks. And I'm not saying that, you know, Deshaun Watson's career is over, but, you know, firsthand off watching Andrew Luck, I never thought it would either, but he just kept getting beaten up by bad coaching, bad offensive line play, bad talent around him, and it forced him into an early retirement. And I, I just, I pray to God the Texans can fix something for the, for the sake of Deshaun Watson because he is one of the best talents in football and he is just wasting some of the best years of his career on a team that can't support him. And look, he signed an extension. He's tied to him now. They need to make it work. It's frustrating. I'm so sick and tired of watching teams just ruin these quarterbacks. Like, you know, another situation, you know, I, I pray to God that Cincinnati can, can, you know, build something around Joe Burrow I just, it's, it's so frustrating. And then God forbid if a guy like Trevor Lawrence ends up with the Giants or the Jets. God forbid, because they need to make it work. If they, you know, I, I'm just, you get scared uh, out of just these guys just wasting their careers because of just stupidity around them. So Ravens, really great team. Might uh, probably still have the best roster in football. They win that one pretty easily. The Texans have their holes. They fall to 0-2. And, um, and meanwhile, you've got, you know, everybody else in the division is 1-1 one one or 2-0. and oh, So already an uphill battle for Houston. Let's finish her off. Patriots-Seahawks, such an exciting Sunday night football game. Really one of the, one of the most fun games that you're going to watch all season. Um, and here's the name of the game. It's Russell Wilson. I I am I'm coming out here and I'm I'm ready to say this. You know, I I personally think it's very close and so I maybe I don't want to go out there and make a my stamp of approval, but if you came to me and you argued with me that Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in football right now, that he's ahead of Mahomes, that he's ahead of Lamar Jackson, uh, that he's ahead of, you know, everybody else in the league, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you. I I'm really not. He's been brilliant. And this is what we, we've talked about for years is it's like, and everybody says it now, it's, it's the let Russ cook. It's getting, you know, those three words are just being plastered everywhere right now. So I hate saying it just because 
everybody else is, is saying it, but it's true. When you let one of the best talents in football open up the offense, when you stop being conservative because, oh, I have this great defensive scheme that was fantastic in 2012, um, let Russ cook. <laughs> He's terrific. DK Metcalf is slowly approaching one of the best receivers in all of football. Um, absolutely bullied, bullied the best cornerback in football or, you know, the, the reigning defensive player of the year. Maybe he's number two or three now, but DK Metcalf bullied him, just gave him up, gave him fits all game. And then you've got a guy like Tyler Lockett, who's just sneaking by there, getting seven catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. The Seattle offense looks great. They're running the ball well. You know, Carson got a lot of touches, uh, 72 yards. But then you throw in Carlos Hyde, got 22. Homer, Travis Homer got 21. You're letting Russ run sometimes. He got 40 yards on the ground. My one thing with the Seahawks, my one thing with Seattle, is they do not look good defensively at all. At all. They really don't. You know, uh, I think I saw, you know, Jamal, who made a lot of great plays against the run. A lot of, a lot of great tackles, um, really disrupting plays. He was torched in the pass game by Julian Edelman, who was banged up, who has a, who has a bad knee right now. He got torched. I think, when, I think the numbers were 6 for 6, and over, I think it was like 106 yards and a touchdown when Jamal was guarding Julian Edelman. That's, that's a rough go, especially when Edelman is a little banged up and uh, Jamal, you're one of the 10 best players in football. Um, still makes his impact you know, elsewhere, so I'm not, I'm not just trying to totally bash him, but I, I do worry about the Seattle defense this year. I'm no longer worried. You should not be worried about the offense, especially the way they're opening this up. They're going to put up 35 points a game. You know, they're going to be scoring a ton all season long. You know, this is one of the toughest defenses they'll face all year, and they put up 35 points. My problem becomes defensively, are you going to do enough to stop offenses like the Rams or the Cardinals um, or the Packers? You know, how are you going to fare against those teams that are just as good offensively as you? Um, on the other side of it, you know, you got a guy like uh, Cam Newton who really looked terrific. He really did. Threw for almost 400 yards. Uh, one interception, got sacked once. You know, the interception was a bad one. He just, he looked on, he locked onto the receiver the minute the ball was snapped, and then the uh, the placement wasn't terrific. Those things will get fixed. Um, you know, he ran the ball 11 times for 47 yards. He's their goal line back. Um, I love, I love, it's just so fun to watch smart guys like, like uh, Josh McDaniels have to reinvent how they operate. Like just just watching the difference between last year's Patriots offense and this year's Patriots offense, it's just so fun because you know Josh McDaniels is one of the smartest offensive minds in football. He really is. And you can just reinvent the wheel just based on, you know, okay, well, we, we lose Tom Brady, so the short passes are, are still going to be part of the offense, but we're going to put a lot more emphasis in the run, draft a lot of tight ends, bring in a fullback, and just bully ball them. And I'm excited for the Patriots. Um, you know, they're a team where I say, okay, I have the Bills winning the division at 10-6. and six. I have the Patriots as making the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. Could I see those reversed pretty easily? Yeah, I could. 
Um, the Patriots definitely could still give Josh Allen a lot of fits. And um, and if this power run offense is just going to continue to dominate, then then the Patriots can be very good. Um, I'm I really impressed with Cam, really impressed with the offense, uh, you know, the defense. I think it's, it's funny because both of these teams now, you looked at their problems in years before, and, and before this season it was okay. They weren't opening up the offense enough for Russ, but the defense is really making up for it. And for the Patriots, it was... Okay, our run game isn't there. We don't have receivers. Tom Brady looks a little rough, but our defense is the best in football. And then you take a look at them this year, and it's completely flipped. You know, I'd say the Patriots' problem now is their defense. They lost too many guys. Between the opt-outs, between guys in free agency, a lot of their star players are just no longer there. It's still a really good defense. It's still Bill Belichick. It's, Steve, it's still Steve Belichick. It's just not as good. Um, and then for the Seahawks now, it's, you know, okay, the defense... A little outdated uh, schematically, little you know loss of talent there as well too on defense. It's a couple stars and a bunch of like eh, maybe, but um, offensively those two teams look so much more improved than last year. Um, so love the game, love both these teams. Really respect a lot of the players and coaches on these two franchises. So it's just a really fun game, um, and that's all of the games from Sunday. I think the Saints win tonight on the road in the opening of the Vegas Stadium. I'm, I'm scared of it for some reason. My, my worry is this offense is it's so important to have Michael Thomas out there. It's so important. You know, you need to find ways to get production out of your other receivers. Um, got to get Jared Cook involved a lot and probably got to just try and run the ball a lot. You know, probably need a big game from Kamara. The Raiders' defense is awful, so I'm sure Sean McVay is just going to pick it apart. Um, and then, you know, really comes down to defensively, can you get a few stops on this uh, Las Vegas offense that played a bad defense last week in Carolina but still looked pretty good. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of belief here in the Raiders' offense necessarily, but I do think that it could be a, an interesting game if the Saints really can't move down the field without Michael Thomas. Um, so I'm going to pick Saints win. I'm still going to take a minus five and a half, maybe just like a late touchdown. Um, but, you know, other than that, that's all we got today. You know, thank you guys so much for listening again. Um, we'll be back on Wednesday going more into deep dive stuff. We're going to take a little college football NFL draft talk. Got some interesting conversations to have. And then um, we'll move into Friday with some bets. We'll hopefully have Teddy back on and roll into week three and make as much money as we did yesterday. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening to Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace, and we'll see you guys Wednesday. Peace.